Hey everyone, and welcome to the first episode of From the Start Up. Up. I was going for that one. Oh. Or up, either way. Uh, my name's Donwin. Um, I'm Amy. Yeah, that's Amy over there. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we started this podcast uh, to basically discuss the journey that a small business goes through. Uh, and we'll, we'll be using our small business as an example for this, as a bit of a case study, I guess. Uh, I think a big reason was we didn't have, when we started, we didn't have really too many. Uh, we had a lot of unanswered questions when it was like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? Actually, yeah, we should probably say there's going to be some swearing in this. Oh, yeah. There might be mm. uh, from the from the outset and throughout, there will, there will be some potty mouth language. But yes, we we had a lot of questions that we just didn't have any answers to and we still do we still do and so this is exactly what this podcast is going to be about is basically us talking about our business um the highs the lows the pitfalls things that mistakes that we've made and it'll be a very i think honest account and we aren't planning on hiding anything we don't have anything to hide and so it's just going to be a discussion of what we do why we do it how we do it uh what you shouldn't do maybe learn from our mistakes learn from our mistakes and we'll also be talking to other small business owners uh at the stage where we are and hopefully business owners that have been in business for a while and have made a success out of it so that we can learn from them i think that's that's probably just as important so it's it's not just about you know you guys learning something it's about us learning something as well so yeah i think that's that's really what it is uh, I think it's fair to say that you know we've been going for what, about seven months. Yeah, so we started. So Don and I have a biltong business. Um, we started back back in August. Registered in August. Registered time. the business in August, yeah. so not even not even half a year of trading yet. Really, yeah. Um, and there's you know it's been it's been pretty hectic. And busy for us and we've already learned so much and there's still so much for us to learn so i think um, for the sake yeah for the sake of context it might be worth mentioning for those of you that don't know what biltong is yeah. i think that that'd be a good yeah, point go to back. start i guess is what our business is about and give a bit of context so, so don what is biltong <laughs> so so biltong is a uh, it's a south african product authentically south african and it dates back about 400 years to when the Dutch settled in what is now known as Cape Town. And essentially, it's an air-dried beef snack. Yeah. Meaty yum-yums. I like to refer to it as a portable steak. Portable. That's a good reference, that, actually. Mm. Yeah, so that's what it is. Uh, and, you know, all we do is we spice some meat and we hang it in a custom-built box for about five, six, seven days, depending on the weather. And the moisture in the air and all those fancy things it dries the meat out we package it and we sell it to people and people enjoy it and mm. that's really that's sort of the long and short of what our business is that being said when we started well the funny thing is when we started we weren't actually planning on starting a business at all it was no it yeah, was there's, there's an interesting story to how we kind of got our start yeah I think. yeah so I don't know if you want to... So Don yeah. is from South Africa. I don't know if you can tell because... South African. Your accent is kind of... Watered down. Watered down. It's probably from living with me. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> not, oh, is that how I speak? Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Um, yeah, so when Don and I met, you were always snacking on this stuff and I'd never heard of it. Well, I'd heard of it, but I'd never tried it. Um, so I remember you giving me some and I didn't really find it all that nice, to be honest. Which I found very offensive. Very offensive, considering, you know, you were raised on this stuff, as yeah. were a lot of South Africans. Yeah, definitely. I just, I just really, there was something horrible about it. <laughs> <laughs> and. It gets better. Yeah. It gets better. It does. Yeah. Hang in there. So. 
I remember you saying that it's not really authentic. The stuff you've given me was from a supermarket here yeah. and that it's not really authentic. And because I felt like I had offended you and I really wanted to like it, um, I then suggested that we make our own, just purely, just for me to try it. So Don can make it according to the family recipes that you've had. Yeah. Um, and so that's exactly what we did. We bought a small dehydrator on Amazon, I think it was. 70 quid. Put it up in our kitchen, bought some meat, spiced it without all the preservatives and stuff that you get in the supermarket biltong. Yeah, I think that's, we probably just interject, but that's that's exactly, I think, what the issue was with the stuff that you That was tried. exactly why I didn't like it. There's, yeah. yeah, the store-bought stuff has got so many sugars, preservatives, MSGs, it leaves, flavor enhancers. It leaves a, like, powdery taste in your mouth, yeah. which is why I was initially put off by it. Yeah. So when we made our batch, we didn't add any of that stuff, obviously. And I loved it. I It changed my life. Like, yeah. It's so delicious when it's done right without yeah. all the crap. Like this, all that preservatives and MSG stuff is so unnecessary. Yeah. Like having read into the, you know, how you cure beef and make biltong, that adding preservatives and all that is is really not needed. Well, yeah. So you know that was never the case anyway. I mean, like I said, it's a it's a four hundred year old product, mm. and when when they started making it 400 years ago they didn't have potassium no, sorbate and all kinds of shit like that it was they rubbed salt on it and hung it hung in it trees. trees yeah so if it yeah. ain't broke yeah don't fix don't fix it yeah pretty much and we like a part of me understands that a lot of companies use preservatives in order to increase shelf life mm. but i think it takes away from the taste and the quality i personally yeah i i also think it's a bit of a, a I don't want to say a cop out, but it seems a bit lazy because it means you have to you can make bigger batches yeah. and do it less frequently, mm. which I understand the efficiency behind it. But at the end of the day, it detracts from what the product's yeah. supposed to be, and and that was our aim. You know, when once we decided that we were going to start this, was to to make something as true and as authentic as we could. But yeah, basically, after we made that first batch at home. She loved it. I really enjoyed it. It was, um, yeah, it was delicious. You know, and so we're like, oh, cool, let's, let's keep making it. And I think what well, it was probably like the second batch we made, we had, we still had some of the first batch. Yeah, left. we had too much. Yeah, even even for a South African, I, I yeah. felt like there was probably a bit too much in the mm. house. I was, I was borderline probably going to get gout at some <laughs> point from all the meat. <laughs> But you can never have too much built no, I swear, no, you just, no, I you're do, a machine. I do pack it away. Mm. But we, uh, where we live in Exeter, so, yeah, probably worth adding, we're in, in Exeter and Devon, uh, and, and where we live currently, there's a, a local Facebook group that we posted some stuff on, just saying, hey, we've got built on if anyone wants to buy it. And we very quickly found out that there was a shitload of South Africans oh, around yeah. us. Oh, yeah, there's so many. Many South Africans, but also a lot of English people that yeah. knew what it was and that, that wanted some. Yeah, uh, some of our first customers were. Yeah. They English. were predominantly English, actually. Yeah. yeah, and so from there, it, it kind of turned into, okay, well, this potentially might be a business. And yeah. W with no sort of intention of it being anything big, but we are like, all right, cool, it might be a good way to make a bit of extra money. Not that there's... I think loads of money in selling a kilogram no. here and there because Bilpong seems to be an economy of scale. Yeah, it was more just fun, I think. Yeah, and it kept kept us it, busy. It kept Bilpong in the cupboard for me as well. Yeah, which was really and still is mm. a very big driving force. Yeah, you never, you <laughs> yeah. never get enough. Can you? Yeah, we've not made any profit <laughs> because part, he eats part, all. <laughs> partly due to the fact that I am quite hungry a lot uh, of the time. Yeah. We'll get there. But you're happy though, so I, I it's am, all good. Yeah. Well fed. So <laughs> that helps. So yeah, so it was there was a lot of figuring out very early on. Uh in terms of, okay, cool. So this is now turning into a business. How how the fuck do you run a business? Yeah. What does that look like? What are the parameters that we have to work in? What do we need? And 
there was a lot of figuring out to do very quickly. Yeah, there was. And that's I think that's when we started looking around at, at information or looking for information about how do we do this, where do we begin. Yeah, we, we quite easily could have got in over our heads very fast. Yeah. And I was quite, I don't know if you remember, but I was quite worried at the start because I didn't want to overinvest in, a, in starting a business when we hadn't really tested it yeah so much mm. so i think that's why i'm i'm really glad that we took small steps very slowly yeah so after having tested it on the facebook groups and seeing its popularity yeah. we we not only did that and you know saw there was a market for it but we got everybody's advice and feedback on how we can better it yeah. and how we can make our product solid yeah we really took a lot of that into account the first customers in terms of flavors and textures and, yeah feedback yeah. the feedback was really like crucial yeah and we changed our recipe a considerable amount i think yeah um, still keeping it authentic but listening to what people had to say about it which yeah. is why i think our built on is some of the best the best. The best. <laughs> I don't want to get too, you know, yeah, cocky there, but it's the best built on. I think you've made I think you've made two really interesting points already is one, really, really test the market and, and keep you know, keep testing it until you're at a point where you really feel comfortable and confident that yeah. what you are making, your whether it be a product or a service, is is needed and wanted. Um and don't just, you know, it's very easy to get excited and carried away, especially me. I, I'm a bit yeah. of a, you know, I'm a bit of a dreamer, and I, mm. I think at times I, I'm, you know, if I get an idea, I kind of run with it. Yeah, you do. And I feel like I'm the one with the lasso, mm. just being like, "Hold on a minute, come yeah. back down to earth." Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but definitely, if I had my way, it would have been, you know, just buying everything we could. I think you would have invested. Yeah. a lot more a lot sooner yeah with, without testing so i think those are those are two interesting points is really really test the market and, yeah and i think scale within your means exactly you know if if you are going to grow and you feel like you you need to scale and, and produce more look at ways to do it i don't want to sound the cheap especially not if it's going to affect the quality of the product that you yeah. make but i think but if you a, don't have the capital hmm. be a bit thrifty and be a bit more conscious about yeah how you're gonna i mean a, a good example of this is you know quite early on we were looking for sort of avenues to to sell built on through and i love it i think it was predominantly facebook really yeah. we had a very very sort yeah. of rudimental website up and running mm. uh, but i think most of it was probably facebook and there's a there's a group on facebook called not on amazon and yeah we were like yeah that's brilliant let's get on there because you know fuck jeff bezos and all these billions and whatever but yeah, sorry, Jeff. I, I don't take it personally <laughs> if you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> as if, as if he's but, make time yeah, for this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, so we we got on there, and, and there's a. I think we learned another valuable lesson there as well. We made one post, and we were. I think we were about to take the dog for a we walk. We went for a 20 minute dog walk. Yeah, yeah. And and we we posted the post, got approved, and we're like, oh cool, let's see what happens. And we went for a walk, and I think within 20 minutes we sold like 400 quid. Yeah, of stuff. Our, our phone was just ding, ding, yeah. ding. It was great. Yeah, and and I shat myself a little bit because <laughs> at that point we had we did not have the capacity to actually make the yeah. amount that we had just sold. We did have a bit of a panic. Yeah, and so that that's a good example of we were kind of forced to scale in a sense yeah and we we could have gone out and bought you know 10 more or five more whatever you know 70 quid bo small boxes or buy something somewhat commercial mm. which would have cost us probably six seven hundred quid yeah but um, we didn't have the money for that but yeah we didn't have the money for that so what we did is found an old cabinet on facebook marketplace for yeah. i think 10 quid or 15 yeah. quid Bought a couple of PC fans off Amazon yeah. to show up the next day, and we just built something that did the job and it mm. worked really well. It was so good, and we managed to fulfill those orders, you know, in the, in the time that we said we would, which was a which was a nice win. And we were like, okay, cool, we might be onto something. And we posted on that same page again, 
a and couple that, weeks later yeah. yeah and the admins like for whatever reason didn't want to approve the post yeah and we had naively bought all the meat to prepare the batch so that when we got that same amount of orders it would be ready to ship mm. out within mm. a day or two and they didn't approve the post and we just sat with so much stock and we're like fuck yeah. what are we gonna do now that's the thing yeah. like you can't rely on on groups like that especially when there's heavily involved admin who control everything yeah it's just so, not reliable so that was that was a very valuable lesson quite early on was to not yeah we tested the market but we tested it once and we we're like perfect yeah it's great we're gonna sell loads of this mm. shit and then we didn't we sold loads once and then for a couple of months we were just fighting to to get accepted onto the page and eventually they, they you know they accepted another post but at that point it didn't like perform you, as well did yeah it? you're so far down because they're accepting 20 posts at a time mm. and, and so you just don't really get seen plus if they accept it like 2 a.m or yeah some stupid time no one's gonna see it yeah. because it just gets buried underneath everybody else's posts yeah so we we learned that lesson i think the hard way for sure and yeah, we, we had to find ways, I guess, to keep testing outside of those groups because, yeah, there's there's too many variables, I suppose, with mm. that, which, which meant we kind of then started leaning into finding retail avenues. Um, I think at that point, we had a, a fairly decent sort of local client base that we'd buy very consistently. Yeah. And this is, I think, where we took a bit of a leap, really, yeah. was we were like, okay, why don't we want to try and do this? But we need to do it properly and we can't do it from home. Yeah, because we we just took up all the kitchen space yeah, and it, it just, it just wasn't right. fair really yeah. on, on everyone in the house. But yeah, so we decided to take a leap. I, I think I did some very basic costings uh, and I'd applied for a for a business loan through like a start startup loans, which I think is like a government grant type thing. And I think all in i was like cool we need about four grand yeah and that would do it mistake number 10 like mm. within the first sort of you know couple of months never factored in any running costs never factored in cool that's going to buy equipment but what about buying bags labels mm. meat mm. you know for three or four batches because at the end of the day what keeps you going is cash flow mm. and so we borrowed four grand Money got paid and just went and spent it within two days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the right things. To be fair, though, it was all on equipment yeah. and it was all secondhand equipment. So yeah. it's not as if we went out and went, ah, oh, take my money. Yeah. Yeah. We were very careful yeah, a lot of it was like with how auction. we spent it. So yeah. I am proud of the way that we utilized it and we got the most we could out of the money. Definitely. Yeah. So I think, I think like you said in that sense we did well with we got a lot for the for the money that we had yeah but i don't think we factored in enough in those early stages no because to, how can how can you really know though what, exactly you can't really tell unless you do it you yeah. have to just do it and then yeah. you know we're still learning now 6 months in yeah but we nothing could have prepared us to know exactly how much we were going to need no, agreed, yeah. Especially because you know, I would say Bolton's fairly niche, isn't it? Yeah. In the sure. sense that, I mean, the meat snack industry, I think, in the UK is worth about 150 million pounds. It's a year. definitely on the rise. It's a it's a big industry, and it's grown at about you know six to eight percent every mm. year, which makes us feel fairly confident. But at the same time, you know, there's a fair amount of players in the field, and and there's a lot of guys that have been going for a really long time. Yeah, there um, are, but there's also room for us. It's not, oh, definitely, it's not. It's a, not like saturated. yeah, it's not yeah. like gin. You know, there's so many gins on the market. Yeah, it's it's not like that at all. Yeah, we you know when we first did a couple of our first ever tastings in some shop, we found most of the people that we were trying to you know get to try it didn't even know what it was. Yeah, which just tells you it's not really a very widely known thing. Exactly. Product. Yeah. So there's definitely room for us. I agree, and and I think so. Which I you know I didn't worry. Yeah, I mean that's I think when we were at that point where we took out a loan, we got the money, we bought the equipment, we had decided, you know, because 
online sales and, and sales through Facebook was okay, but not fantastic. We we're like, yeah. why don't we lean into retail? Yeah. Because there was no one else. There's no one else in Devon really that does it. Mm. Um, there's a company in Cornwall that does it, but we looked around and there was no real competition in our immediate area. So like, all right, well, you know, maybe that's, that's I think us. we, I think we also had, have a really strong, I don't know what you would call it, a USP maybe. Yeah. And yeah. that is when the beef that we use. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I mean, that, that sets us apart in the sense that most of the companies that I've found, you know, when you look at the back of the packaging, and this is something I think that bothered us fairly early on was you look at the back of the packaging and it's like, oh, you know, 100% grass-fed beef, yeah. but it's like UK, Ireland, and Europe. Yeah. So, you know, before that product even gets to you, it's got so many miles on it and it's traveled and, you know, there's a lot it of these... It seems very unnecessary. Yeah, and the, and the meat industry as a whole has a pretty bad rap and understandably so because generally welfare standards and that kind of stuff mm. on these massive farms mm. are horrendous. And when when we decided to get going with this, we had a really long conversation whether we actually wanted to be part of an industry that that was doing so bad and causing so much damage. Yeah. Uh, and the short answer really was no, we didn't want to. But we But it felt a shame because we had such a good product. Yeah. And that was there was definitely a gap for it yeah. on the market. So we were kind of in this bit of a limbo moral phase. dilemma, I yeah. guess. But we got lucky and, and we came across this company called Farm Wilder, who's a, a Devon-based organization. And essentially what they do is they work with small family-run regenerative farms in the Southwest, uh, and they, they source beef from them. And the, the good thing about it is, firstly, the, the cattle or the livestock in general from these farms live a really really good stress-free healthy life Mm. Um, they spend year-round outside um, so they never in sheds they never fed any hormones to get them to grow quicker they're all slow reared so they need they they all reach natural maturity um, and they they've got really good and healthy diets so they only feed on the pasture yeah like wild pastures the tree grouse and the yeah natural environment essentially how cattle should be feeding yeah um and the problem is because there's so many people on this planet and we need to provide meat for all of them the the problem that you have is how do we get cattle big and fat enough essentially to get meat to the market and that's hormones 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 and so that's not good for us that's not good for the animals it's not good for the environment Mm. as a whole and that meat that you were just talking about we could you know we could use that meat and we could use it for a lot cheaper yeah than what we're paying now for the farm farm wilder beef yeah but that is just not an option for us because yeah. we would rather pay more for the beef and know that the meat is you know come from these regenerative farms yeah than pay for this really cheap beef really cheap beef that is just it's grain fed. It's been yeah. reared in these big factories Shakes. almost. Yeah. It's just not the way we want. It's not the road we wanted to take. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, as a, as a business, we want to make money. Uh, at, at this point, we aren't because, you know, cash flow and, and it's very early on. And so we completely understand where we are in this game. But we do want to make money, but not at the expense of all those other things. Yeah. It just doesn't seem right morally for us to kind of be involved in something yeah. like that, which is, you know, why we, we try our absolute best to, to not buy meat from big supermarkets. You know, mm. we try and go to local butchers and, and or use Farm Wilder for the, for the meat that we consume. And, and it's something that, you know, I, I preach to everyone I, I really come across to probably to the point of boredom. And I'm, I'm sure at some point somebody's going to tell me to piss off, but so be it. But we need to, I think, support small family-run farms. Yeah, I think the key word is local. Also, yeah. we're not buying our meat from farms up in Ireland or yeah. 
up north, they are from where we are. Yeah, we, so, we know the names of the farmers. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we can it, go to Devon has some of the best beef yeah. in the country. Why wouldn't we utilize that resource? Yeah. And I, I mean, it, it comes back to the point, you know, I think a lot of businesses would look at it and go, okay, well, you're paying an extra, say, three or four pounds a kilo for beef that's margins that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that affects your bottom line who gives a shit at the end of the day of what we're doing yeah is it, we're right? not going to compromise right. on it yeah just to make a few extra quid like yeah. it's not it's not it's, worth it no. yeah it's not what we're about yeah so yeah that i mean that that's our usp but that's i think that's a massive strength for us in the sense that we've been very very fortunate uh in these first six months or so to pick up speed quite quickly, I'd say. And we very early on managed to get into Greendale farm shop, which is the, I would say probably the Big biggest up Greendale farm yeah, shop. Yeah. And Tom from, from oh, yeah. Greendale, absolute legend, but the, it's the biggest farm shop I'd say in Devon. Um, and it's, it's definitely known sort of nationally. They've got quite a big client base all across the UK and they kind of brought us in, uh, in the sense that they're like, listen, we love your mission. We love what you're trying to do. We sat down with them, gave them some samples. They really enjoyed it, which we were really happy about. And that was like our first introduction. We had one or two like local small farm yeah. shops under our belt mm. that would buy like a kilogram or two yeah. if we were lucky. And we were like, oh, this is wicked. And then, you know, in come Greendale. And they bought, I think their first order was for like a lot. Yeah, it was like 10 plus kilos, yeah. which to us was like, oh shit, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it definitely gave us the confidence uh, yeah, that we needed. I'd say so. So, yeah, that, I mean, that was uh, quite a scary experience at the same time because now suddenly, you know, it's not just one or two products here and there, it's a lot at the same time. And, making sure the quality is consistent throughout your batches and and all that kind of stuff because that's what people at the end of the day if somebody buys a product and they like it and they buy it again they expect the same thing Mm. and it was it was scary but i think you know greendale did such an amazing job of kind of putting us at ease as well oh yeah and helping us through the process and yeah from there there was a couple of other big farm shops as well that kind of got on board and and so like you said i think it gave it gave us a lot of confidence to mm. know that cool we're, we're doing yeah. something good and and people are liking it yeah. but yeah scary nonetheless it's been a know. nice steady growth i think i yeah i think so i think so um and speaking of you know we've we've since sort of deciding to do this podcast we've spoken to tom who's the shop manager at, at greendale and what we'll do is we'll get him on soon as well to, to kind of speak from the perspective of the stockist. So for anyone listening, that's a, a small producer or whatever. Again, there were a lot of things that we, that we didn't even know goes into, you know, getting into a shop like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Silly things like, does your product saying, have a barcode on it? I was yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> I remember saying to you, you, you said that you, thought we should reach out to them yeah and I was like oh we are not ready for that yeah. we don't have we don't have this we don't have that I was just making so many excuses because I didn't know what yeah. they would expect but we reached out anyway turns out we were ready so yeah just having the conversation or just knowing like it would be really interesting to see well really invaluable I think what Tom would have to say I think so yeah, yeah. I think it'd be a, a really good eye-opener as well uh, i think every shop has has different standards and that kind of stuff but but to me you know in terms of farm shops greendale is is the pinnacle and you know to i mean if you can get into greendale i feel like you should be able to get in anywhere yeah. really you know I'm not, I'm not talking like big retail chains mm. and that kind of stuff but you know the quality and the standard of the products that they have on offer and, and just the general size of the and business the, itself. the fact that they really support local they do. They've got the 30 and the 30 at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, they really do. This is not sponsored by Greenland, no. by the way. I feel like we're talking about yeah. Greenland a lot, but it, it has been a really cool experience for us. And, and so, 
yeah, that that's been that's been quite cool, um, which is why I think we mention them so much. But we'll not harp on about Green Yeah, right. Um, Gosh, get a room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you know what. what in your opinion, at least, like what's been really challenging, like about Ooh. starting this? Because I feel like for me, there's been so many. things. Oh, there's been a few things. Uh, finding time has been one of them. Good point. We so should mention that Don we, and I both yeah. have full time jobs as yeah. well as having this business. And on top of that, you know, we have a dog. He's yeah. a responsibility. We both like to exercise, so finding the time to do that. Yeah. fitting it all in has been really hard and that and it still is hard yeah because i do nine to five and then you know come home we cook dinner try find some time in there to exercise and then we go to the unit and we do built-on jobs till yeah. like 10 11 o'clock at night they're very long days yeah and i don't know for you they're even longer because you're up at 4 a.m yeah yeah. If you felt bad about yourself, like Don gets up <laughs> at four a.m. to go to the gym. Well, it's, it's what um, yeah. I mean. Okay, it's not. It's not fun. Who do you think you are, David Goggins? <laughs> I'm trying. I'm definitely trying to get the, in, the Goggins vibe going. Yeah, you put me to shame, honestly. But the point, I mean, it's you know, if I had a choice, you know, I don't know if I if I would, but I've I've always felt like there's certain things that I don't want to sacrifice. And exercising is one of them because I feel like if I don't do that one yeah, thing, I know. everything else kind of yeah. goes to shit, like mentally, especially. And for I me. feel the same way about sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's time in the day, you know, I can yeah. just wake up a couple hours earlier, but yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think you need to, you need to find what works for you, yeah. what works best, really. And, and for me, I don't know, you know, I try, I try and train at four. I start work at six, so usually I train sort of four to just after five, get dressed, go to work, start work at six, finish. I get home at about three mm. o'clock, and then it's sit down, do some admin. There's usually emails to reply to, something to do, take the dog for a walk from yeah. time to time, whatever. Um, and then as soon as you get done with work, it's, it's straight to the unit, finish at 11, and yeah. then sleep for four hours or so and, and try yeah. and do it again. and. To be honest, I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that for the next three months, six months, a year, two, three years. But I do feel that for people in our position, we don't have the luxury of quitting our full-time jobs no, because the truth is we don't have savings to fall back on. Mm. We don't have um, – we, we didn't get a massive loan. We don't have stupidly wealthy families. It's it's us, and it's trying to figure it yeah. out. So. So the, the, you the know, work life, the balance, the work work, should work, I call it balance, balance. is quite tough. Yeah. But you do remind me when, you know, it's like 10 p.m. And we're still doing jobs when I just want to go to sleep. You do remind me that it will pay off one day and I know it will. Because yeah. we, like no one can work this hard. And, and not, it not pay off. It bloody better pay off. I'm the truth is, <laughs> it might not even be the ball time. I just have. I think I've. I've got confidence in our ability to to execute on something. Yeah. And the ball time seems to be working for now. Hopefully, it does going yeah. forward. You know, we we're working on some some fairly big projects that we're quite excited about with with some slightly mm. bigger companies that, you know, might mean. Hopefully, in the next twelve months or so, one of us, you know, could have—I don't know—yeah, afford to go part time and pay ourselves a very small wage, and but maybe not. Who don't knows? get me wrong. I—it sounds like I'm complaining and I hate it. I wouldn't change it for yeah. anything. I love having our own business, and I know that it comes with these hard chips. Yeah, but there is no better freedom. Than having your own business because from nine to five, you know, I work for someone else, yeah. and there are rules that I have to abide by. And yeah. I do love my job. Yeah, and you're good at it as well. I'd like to think I'm okay. Yeah. yeah, and I do enjoy it. But then, you know, someone else is telling me what to do and how to do it yeah. to a certain degree, and then I come home, and that's all out the window. We are working for ourselves. Mm. We do what we want. Yeah. We say what we want. 
yeah. we create what we want. It's just completely different. And so I love it. What I really like about it is is the fact that it's it's kind of got like a, you know, it's this double-edged sword in the sense that it's really exciting, isn't it? Being able to, to uh, like you said, create and do what you want with the business and move it in whatever direction you feel comfortable with. But at the same time, it's so scary because it is on you. It is on us, you know, and it is on, on whoever is listening to this, thinking about starting a business or if you started the business already, it is, it's completely on you. But I think that makes it cool because, mm. you know, I mean, it, I think if you, if you, if you buckle down a bit, you know, if you've tested your product, if you, if you feel like there's a market for it, if you have a good quality product or service then then i think there's a way to like forge yeah but just don't expect it to be easy you know that's what i would say is be prepared for the long days yeah be prepared to be tired a lot Mm. yeah what would you say is the biggest challenge that you found having since started this I think, you know, from a business perspective, cash flow yeah, and definitely. generating cash flow, mm. you know, it's, it's... Considering we took such a small startup loan. Exactly, yeah. And hindsight's obviously twenty twenty. If I could go back now, I'd probably borrow double. But then at the same time, yeah. you know, you don't want to... It's fine with balance. Exactly. But, yeah, I would say cash flow because after we, after we realized that there's potentially you know room for us to move into the retail space again this isn't something anyone really told us and we we found this out the hard way but you know retail customers don't really pay when you think they'll pay (laughs) we were like oh son we'll deliver x amount of products and they'll they'll give us the money then and there because it says cash and delivery on our invoices Mm. i put it there i know Mm. and they don't give a shit really you know Again, big up to Greendale. They've been amazing mm. at paying us on time. But for the most part, retail customers have slightly different terms to, to what you expect. And so whether it be 14 days, 30 days, some places have 60 days, it's costing us a lot of money to get that product to the point where we can go and deliver it. Because a the, lot of the time we have to invest our own money to even make the product. Exactly, which is why I wouldn't even, I can't even consider giving up the full time job yeah, anyway, even yeah. if I wanted to. And I do love my job. I get to be outside. I, I'm, you know, I, I work as a greenkeeper, but I get to be outside all day, which I absolutely love. Um, we don't have the luxury of just going, cool, we'll just quit. Because whatever salary I get paid every month, we pay our bills. And then usually there's that little, sum of money where you're like oh we can maybe go and do something nice this week Mm. or we can save for a trip or whatever nope that's just that went out the window that's like oh we need to buy meat we need to pay rent for our unit even the money we do make from the built on goes straight back into the business there's always something we need exactly yeah so that's been that's been really tricky and i think for for anyone listening that is thinking about moving into the the retail space i think it's really worth when when you meet with stockists like have a very open and honest conversation and it doesn't mean that you'll get your way i think but i think have a have a conversation with them about listen these are my terms what are your terms and find a way to to meet in the middle or at least understand where they are so that you can plan for Mm. it because we didn't yeah we just we're like you want built on we'll give you built on Here's an invoice. And then we just sat back and looking at our Monzo account being like, oh, they'll pay us. And then a week goes by and you're like, oh, they've not paid us. Yeah. And then you're like, should I email them? Should I, you know, should it, I? The pestering thing is really not something I vibe with. Um, yeah. I'm, I don't like having to send multiple emails being like, are you yeah, going to pay us? Yeah. Or? As, as per my last it's email. It's just not, it's just not very yeah. gracious, is it? I don't and, know. I th- and I think the way to avoid that is, word, but... yeah, I think that the way to avoid that is just to have a conversation and, and factor that into your planning. Definitely. You know, because it definitely is going to, it's going to affect your business in a way that you might not think it will, but it 100% will. And yeah. it's affected our business to the point where, you know, there's, there's been days where we were like, is this really worth doing if this is how it's going to go? Like if, you know, 
we make all these products and we, we're doing something that we're really proud of and but we've got nothing to show for it and i think you know maybe that's just startups in general that's just how it goes yeah but it's it's still difficult you know we're lucky that we've got our salaries to kind of rely on but it's not like we earn you know loads we earn enough money to get by mm. and you know then there's all these other expenses there's still trying to have a personal life and do things for our own sanity as well because <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the days are long and stressful at times so that that's that's been really difficult for mm. me i think is, is finding a way to manage cash flow and i suppose the solution to that is start leaning more towards online sales and, and direct to consumer sales because you get your money then and there Shopify has been really good. I think it's usually paid out within three days or so. Yeah. So there's that. I think that might be that might be one solution. Definitely a goal of ours is to increase our online presence and sales yeah. going forward, having learned what we've learned. Yeah. But I think then with that, you know, there's you've got to really market your product to the point yeah. where, you know, it's it's cool having people pay you basically straight away on a website, but no one knows about your product. Which is why it's so nice to be in shops because, you know, yeah. we want to build our brand awareness. Our brand awareness down here specifically because yeah. this is where we get all of our produce and this is where we make it. So we want to be in shops around Devon in the southwest. Yeah. But we also want to be able to pay rent for our unit. We do. So. <laughs> Difficult. <one. sighs> Yeah, so I, th I think that, I mean, that's been tricky. I think also just having the patience to kind of understand that just because we make a really, really good product that we are really proud of doesn't mean that it's just going to be an overnight success. Yeah. Patience. That's been that's been a weird one for me. I'm like, surely we should, you know, we should be like the leading built-on company <laughs> in the world by now. Everyone More should, in the first six months. <laughs> exactly, you know, and that's just Very me. Very ambitious. Yeah, but that's that's also something i think i've struggled with is is looking at our product and, and our service and all that and and being like it's good compared to everything else i've seen it's good and really believing in it but then also having to still go out and be like do you want to stock our product do mm. you want to stock our product and getting a lot of no's mm. you know it's not fun but to be fair i don't think we've got that many no's Maybe not as much as, I don't know, as I expected. Again, I think if we have the opportunity to give someone some samples and they try the product, there's absolutely no reason why they wouldn't want to stop yeah. it. There are a few people that haven't yeah. taken it on, which... We don't understand. I don't know why, but... <laughs> yeah. The, the majority say yes. We are going to get those no's. Can't please everyone. Not yeah, exactly. Everyone. But the thing is, if the decision is made by, a, say, a shop manager who doesn't like built on yeah then it's not exactly going to land in our favor is it like yeah because they're the ones making the decisions most of the time unless they've got a you know like grow house in uh, exeter yeah where we stock our it's a coffee shop and they stock our built on but um the owner she gave it to all her staff so yeah. all her staff could decide whether yeah. or not it was a product they wanted to stock which i like that yeah. I like that process. It shouldn't just be down to one person and one person's taste and yeah. preference. But I guess that's, you know, sometimes you're going to get that. Well, I think we've that's, definitely had. Yeah, I think maybe that's And I something, think they're the ones that have not taken it. Yeah, I agree. I think that's something Tom would probably, uh, Tom from Greendale would probably speak to as well as, is the, the process of actually deciding on what products make it into a shop. You know, and, and yeah. obviously Greendale is just one uh, organization and there's thousands of shops that you could potentially get into. But <clears throat> I think they would, yeah, he, he would give some good insight as to, you know, the criteria from their point of view. Because I think it's very easy for us to go, we have a great product, great service, we can do it all. You absolutely must have our product. And mm. then somebody going, no, and us not understanding it. But you never know. I mean, there's always different criteria mm. uh, and there's always going to be different things that people look for in a product and, and 
doesn't match their values. Maybe that's one brand. thing we should just improve on is getting feedback from people that do say no. And just then asking a question, okay, well, then why? Yeah. Just for our own, you know. Well, for the sake of improvement at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. You know, we, it would be great if we had a 100% success rate mm. in getting into shops. Mm. It, would, it would be amazing. I don't know if we'd be able to manage it all, yeah. but it would be great. I just don't think, I don't know if it's an English thing, but I don't think, we, we've never been told no, like plain mm. no. It's more of just a, I'm just not going to reply to you yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that happens, <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know if it's a British thing. It might be. To just not it might be. shut people down. But. Maybe, but also it's a South African thing to be very persistent mm. and in oh. your face. And so yeah. I, I just keep sending emails like, excuse me, Yeah. me again. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> uh, and... You know, maybe that's a lesson to take from it is you will get no's. You will get no replies to your emails. Yeah. Email might not be the best way to do it, yeah. actually. You know, we take a, a multi-pronged approach. You know, we'll, we'll message people on Instagram and email yeah, them. Yeah, we will come at you send from carrier all angles. Pigeons, <laughs> like smoke signals, yeah. whatever we can do, we'll, you know. Like the beacons. Yeah, we'll do it. And so... Don't rely, I think, on one avenue to get in touch with people. Try everything. See yeah. what works. Emails are very easy, especially, you know, people, busy people get a lot of emails. But they're also very easy to ignore. So. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's because there's no, like, read reports. It's not on mm. WhatsApp. Like, you get two blue texts and you're like, they've read my email, but they've not replied. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I've not seen yeah. it. My bad kind of thing. We've all done it. So yeah. I do it sometimes. But. I don't know. If I, yeah. if I get an email through from someone and I can't reply to it fully there and then I always send them an email just be like I will get back to you you're a good egg just got email courtesy yeah <laughs> that's true yeah but yeah I, I would definitely recommend look at as many different streams as you can and I think ultimately probably the best way is to to just have a face-to-face -face conversation we were at a networking event recently and and one of the guys there, I think it was Hob from uh, from the what's, yeah, yeah. what's his travel Ottery travel Ottery travel yeah great guy and and he was saying that you know people don't buy necessarily just your product but they buy into the person behind the product yeah for sure and if you get in front of a business owner in front of your customer and you have the opportunity to to talk to them and explain to them why your product's good and allow them to taste it or try your service or do whatever, I think you've got a much better chance mm. than just going to whom it may concern, please buy yeah. my products. Yeah, you can't you know? build a relationship through an email really, can you? Yeah. You can to an extent, but there's nothing like in-person communication. Definitely. So... Yeah, I think consider that. Maybe that's something we need to do more of. But again, finding time to, to go to shops. Yeah. I think going off on a little bit of a tangent, though, I think that's what we do really well in terms of our social media and and how we actually advertise it online is yeah. we put ourselves in front of the product as well as showing off the product. Yeah. And I think it allows people to form a bigger connection with it. Mm. Well, I think that, I mean, this, yeah, you said it's a bit of a tangent, but it's interesting to talk about because uh, you do marketing for a living. Essentially. Yeah, but let's just get it straight. Marketing is very broad and I focus on, you know, one area of marketing. Yeah. There's the whole world of marketing, digital marketing, all this kind of yeah. stuff. That being said, you know more than most people I know that, have, that have no experience. Mm. And I think, again, we're quite lucky because we've got fairly diverse skill sets. You're great at marketing and, and, and sort of really getting things done in that sense. And I'm really good at cutting meat. So, you know. <laughs> You're good at more than that. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I think, yeah, slicing meat, I've got it down right now so yeah i don't trust know. myself with the, those knives got a lot of sharp things around don't we yeah yeah so but marketing is such an interesting thing because i don't think it comes particularly natural to most people mm. definitely not to us no you know this this whole setup doing a podcast talking really putting yourself out there we're all we've all got that fear of like oh, what are people thinking what are people saying at the end of the day 
who gives a fuck what people think and what people say. Like, be yourself. Yeah. Represent your product or your service at, at, to the best of your ability. Mm. And I think we really get, like, you almost get, like, t- you know, panic-stricken when you, like, think about what someone's going to say if I do or say this certain thing. And more often than not, I think people don't even look at it in the way well, that you it would put, Yeah, well, you'd never do anything, would you? You're so exactly. scared of what people are going to think and say. Yeah. But there's always going to be those people that do like what you say. Yeah. And focus on them. Focus on them. Put your attention into those kind of people, not, yeah. the, not the haters. Yeah. Haters going to hate, potatoes going to potate. True. Like we this. should get that on the wall. Make shirts or something out of it, yeah. Mm. But like I was saying, I think because marketing doesn't come supernatural to most people, what I've noticed from from other businesses, like as I've been looking around, it, we've been very fortunate to deal with a lot of other local small businesses recently, and not necessarily just in the Biltong, but like coffee companies yeah. and you know, like little online retailers that do you know local produce and just all sorts of stuff. We've been we've been very fortunate, but when you look into social media because that's the way the the world's moving and social media marketing it seems to be the thing that lets a lot of people down and yeah because i think it's because it's such a scary thing putting yourself in this mm. you know taking yourself out of your comfort Fair zone of being judged and yeah yeah it's a you know funny funny little story about that where we have our, our unit where we make our bolts on is on a dairy farm <laughs> and uh We've got essentially it's like a converted. I think they were going to use it for like pasteurizing, pasteurizing yeah. milk, yeah. Uh, but they ended up not using it, and we moved into the space. But it's it's a family run dairy farm, and there's you know there's the two boys and the dad, and every time we're in there doing something for Instagram, like we always we always panic, like we stare out the window, we're like, <laughs> well, they're watching us right now. And one night, <laughs> one night we were making just like one of our We were making videos. a really goofy video, weren't we? And we got home later that night and one of the boys had recorded us from the outside going, oh, are you on that social media <laughs> stuff? <laughs> oh, you know? man. And it was, you know, part of it was embarrassing, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's it, funny. It is what it's, it is. We're doing what we got to do. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've hopped on too many We've not. I don't think we've done any TikTok trends really in terms of like the silly dances. And no, like, I um, think we've really eased into it though. I remember the first one we did, we were like, "Oh my god!" Mm. We massively overthought it, mm. and we were so scared of putting our faces to it. And yeah. Now we're just like, "Should we go do that really stupid video?" Yeah, we do it all the time now. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm still terrified every time. Like, I'm lucky that you you direct me. I've got a lot like, of direction. Yeah, but. When the, when the camera's on me, I'm yeah. just the same. I'm like, what do I do with my arms? Yeah. <laughs> Why are my arms always like this? Like, I'm always overcompensate with my yeah. arms. But yeah, it's weird. It's weird to be natural. I think it's difficult to be natural in that like environment. Yeah, you know, in front of the camera, where you know, tens or hundreds or thousands yeah. of people might see it. But it works though, because we were in Honiton, weren't we? Or you were in Honiton. Oh, and that lady. Well, shot we both were. Yeah, someone went <laughs> gone. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who just so technically watched. I'm a local celebrity. Yeah, right. Been spotted. Yeah. So, so it worked. It's, that was really funny. It, it was. It was cool. Yeah, and you know, not having, the, not the fact that somebody knows who you are, but it's cool to see that there's that people reach. are watching. Somebody. Yeah, we've had loads of people come up to us at tasting and be like, "Oh yeah, I've seen your videos," or like, yeah. "Follow you on Instagram." Yeah. It's yeah. just really like reassuring i think i think what makes it easier for us in terms of the social media is because we just try and be who we are yeah every day which is fairly sort of goofy people i think we're being quite reserved right now yeah <laughs> yeah i'm holding back wait until the second podcast guys <laughs> it's gonna get weird <laughs> yeah i think so but that makes it easier is not having to act yeah you know really and and when i say we don't have to act we still have to when we do a voiceover or whatever there's still the you know, having to mouth some words that someone else has said, but for the most part, we're just being us. Uh, and I think it's worth mentioning that in, in terms of other producers or other, you know, business owners that have services or whatever, just just be yourself. Yeah. I think it's it makes owning a business a yeah. lot more enjoyable. Yeah. Don't be afraid to get in front of the camera. And yeah. 
represent your products because more or less like people will connect with you yeah. more than just seeing a video or a picture of your thing. Yeah. They want to see who's behind it. Yeah. Really. Yeah, and, t- and tell your story, be honest about it. I think that you know that's I wouldn't say that's a reason for the podcast, but it's it's it makes sense for us to kind of be honest because I think a lack of self-awareness is, is fairly dangerous, right? Uh, I think if you if you don't have the ability to sit down and, and assess, like self-assess and look, mm, okay, cool, mm. this is where I am, this is what's going on, these things might be problems, I think you put yourself in a dangerous position. And I, again, we're very lucky because there's two of us doing this. And so if I'm making decisions that potentially I don't see the, the problem yet, you you have the ability to kind of look in and go maybe let's look out yeah. for that or whatever yeah. and, and the other way around as well i think if you're going at it on your own it is difficult but we all have family and friends and and if you've got someone around you that you really trust even if they aren't a part of you, your business or the business making decisions i think it's valuable having them look in from time to time and be like mm. just you know what's the plan with this or yeah. where are you going yeah. with this don't get an ego and just like oh everything i'm doing is great yeah yeah i think that happens very easily especially if your business has like a bit of success early on we still most of the time we still don't know what we're doing yeah i mean we make really good biltong and our processes are like we've got them down to a t yeah there's other stuff we don't know about yeah. we don't know everything about marketing or sales yeah or, how to get in front of the right people. There's exactly. so much we don't know. And we're not afraid to say that. And that is the purpose of starting this podcast. Is so we're going to have conversations, you know, you and I, but we want to have conversations with other people who can give us that advice. And, yeah. you know, people listening can take the advice. So exactly. we're having conversations for you. Yeah. It's a journey. You're, we're going to be growing. Yeah. and you're all invited and yeah. that sounds so lame it does really lame we're on a journey guys and you're yeah. all invited yeah. <laughs> get the love love laugh poster up and all that kind of stuff <laughs> cringe but but exactly that that's you know i couldn't have said it better really maybe well I you could have because you, you said it in the really yeah i know way. oh anyway, gosh I'm not even going to edit that out either that's no, what it is yeah but but that is exactly the point of this we don't know everything. I don't. I, sometimes I feel like I don't know anything, mm. and a lot of it is. I know sometimes. Yeah. That was my chance to know. Okay. Is that all that? I think a lot of times you just have to throw a bunch of shit at a wall and see what sticks, and and mm. you know, not actual feces. Don't do that. No. But you have to try things, and you you. I think you have to face certain obstacles and, and come up against things because that forces you to really look at your processes and, and potentially adapt and find ways around it. And so, you know, hopefully our mistakes won't be your mistakes at mm. the end of the day. Um, I'm really excited to be talking to some people. Uh, yeah, I think we're learning some stuff and we've got some hopefully interesting being people. able to relate lined up i'd say yeah so the next podcast is going to be with anime from hatari hatari is a local chili sauce company which she happens to be my best friend of all time um but we also collaborate with them so they make a chili sauce so they grow chilies in tanzania they bring them back to the uk process them into a chili sauce but what's left over is chili mash um which we then which otherwise would be waste to them, but we take that away, dehydrate it, and we use it in our biltong, in our chili and our chili chutney. So it's a really nice little collaboration there. Yeah. And we're going to be talking to Annie on the next podcast because they started their business pretty much the same time. Yeah, I think it was like a month before. Yeah. Something like that. It was. It was. Yeah. So hopefully, there's some stuff I can take away from from that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, we'll probably sort of wind down from here, you know, and just say that we have made loads of mistakes in terms of running 
the, the running of a business. I don't know shit about accounting. And to be honest, we've got a QuickBooks account and I look at it every now and then. I'm like, okay, whatever's going on there, just carry on. Um, and there's. I, I'm not a numbers person. Yeah. I'm like the opposite of Rain Man. <laughs> I see numbers and I'm just like, nothing adds up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. <laughs> that's true, actually. <laughs> it's so bad. It's yeah. so terrible. I'm but good with pictures. Really good with pictures, yeah. 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 <laughs> Pretty pictures. <laughs> Sound like such a simpleton. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, we like I said, we've we've made we've made mistakes. We are still making mistakes, and and we want to learn and grow and develop. And so, hopefully, we can have people on here that can teach us something and can teach everyone else something in the process. Yeah. And you know, it would be ideal for us to to grow a business, and and you know, we all want to you know make lots of money, and and it's not. I say we all want to make lots of money. I th- I think for the two of us, you know. On a personal note, money doesn't really mean that much to me, if I'm honest, which is probably why I'm fairly bad with it most of the times. I get paid. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go and buy all these things. I'll find a way to get some I more I think money. what means the most to us is freedom. Yeah, it's just having the ability to, you know, having having a nice big old piece of land so the dog can run around mm. and be happy. And But waking up when we want to wake up and yeah. doing what we want to do for the day, making yeah. money for ourselves, making decisions for ourselves. Yeah. That's what drives us. Yeah. It's not having a massive bank account. Yeah. We're not doing it really for that, are we? Yeah, no, I I don't think so. And and obviously that's a nicety and it'd be nice to have money to take care of your friends and your family and the people around you and make sure that the people that are closest to us have what they need. And if, if we can find a way to facilitate that, amazing. That would be great. You know, I'd love that. But ultimately, we'd like to, like you said, have the ability to, you know, to not really be governed so much by, you know, all those things around that, that most of us tend to be governed by. And, you know, you work hard every day in your job, whether you like your job or not, and you still get told you know, oh, this is wrong or that's wrong. And, and I think so much of that affects who we are as people. And uh, I just want to be who I am and not be told otherwise, mm. really. Mm. You know, I'm not saying I want to live outside of the law, but I, I want to, I just want to do what I want to do, mm. you know. And so I think that's why we're doing this. And, and I think it's, it's probably worth mentioning, right? So we, we work full time. We do this tongue thing full-time as well <laughs> yeah pretty so, much. seems like it I, I think the way that we figured out you know what what do we do next is we started another business uh, we've we've got a mobile bar like an event bar as well and, and i think we've been lucky that that's kind of more seasonal and it's been parked on the driveway for a while because if anyone needs a bar in devon for an you, event yeah we have a sick bar it's really cool wild but we won't bar. go into that yeah today but, it's uh, I mean that's that's going to be another cool part of this journey is is talking about the success successes and failures of of that business because that's completely different, isn't yeah. it? Like serving alcohol at <laughs> events and festivals yeah. and stuff versus making a meat snack. Mm. Yeah. Whoa! But that's something that you know. Everybody loves variation. Yeah. So, so hopefully we'll figure that one out as well. But that's why we'd like to leave the door open. For any other people who might want to come and talk to us, yeah. So share, impart some wisdom. Yeah, if you if you feel like you've got something to offer, it doesn't. You don't have to be a small business owner. If you're a big business owner, if you are a business coach, if if you're a life coach, if you're a you know an athlete, if you're just you know anyone from up the street and you feel like you got some cool shit to say. Let us know. Let's let's have a conversation yeah. about it. If there's something for someone to learn, then let's learn. You know, if we can. Mm. Yeah. So I think should we knock it on the head? You think? Yeah, because it's bedtime. I think. <laughs> Definitely. It's been is. another one of those long days. But yeah. every day is just one of those long days for us. Yeah, perpetually tired. Yeah, always. Yeah. Mm. So, for those that are interested. Welcome to have a look at our social medias and look at all the dumb shit that we do on there. Um, laugh at us, laugh with us, whatever you want to do. 
that's Inyama built on Instagram and Facebook, and I think on TikTok as well. But oh that's gosh, yeah. Need some work. Yeah. TikTok. Go to Instagram. That's to our Instagram. that's our happy place. Yeah. Um, we've got a website inyamabolton.co.uk. If you want to email us or anything about potentially being a guest, or if you know of anyone that could be a guest, it's hello at inyamabolton.co.uk. I'm sure we'll find a way to leave it in notes yeah. somewhere written down for people to see <laughs> i don't know how any other shit works another one we should have here yeah and i think to finish off with all i i think you know my bit of advice for whatever it's worth all i want to say is if you've got an idea or if you feel like you're at a point where you really want to do something for yourself do it find a way to do it you don't need all the money to start you don't you know there's always a way this podcast is literally the two of us these mics are 20 pounds, I yeah. think. Uh, and we're recording it on two iPhones, which we have anyway. Mm. Uh, Get resourceful. You know, Get just, thrifty. You don't always need everything all at once. Yeah, so um, don't make excuses, I guess. Yeah. Just do something. Find find a way to start. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Good. We go to bed. I'm tired. Yeah. How do we end this? Bye. Bye.